the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. Our text this morning communion message this morning is taken from James chapter 1 verses 2 to 8. The message is the key to enduring faith. Not just faith, but enduring faith. James chapter 1 verses 2 to 8. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. I I love the ocean. You know, my wife and I both. We love going to the beach. We haven't been able to do it in a while because of the the pandemic. But I like to, to, to see its beauty. I like the blue waters. I like, for someone who doesn't really know how to swim, I like the ocean, you know. And there's this one time when I was trying to swim in the ocean but got intimidated by the waves. You know, you think you're strong until you, you get hit by one of these gigantic waves and it has a way of throwing my body all over the place. And, you know, I keep saying to myself, how can I enjoy this beautiful thing when I'm scared all the time to go to the water because the waves are so strong. I mean, there are some small waves, but I can't wait for those to come. I got to be on the water so I can enjoy it. And then I observed this, this man uh, teaching uh, his children how to deal with the waves. He keeps telling his two boys, don't turn your back on the water. Don't turn your back on the water. And I said to myself, aha, That's got to be the wisest thing I've ever heard. See, the problem that I have was that I kept, you know, turning my back (laughs) on the water. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know the size of the wave. I don't know how big the wave is. I I can't control my footing when I don't know what's coming to me. And when I heard that, I thought to myself, okay, that's the secret. That's a wise advice. And when I started doing that, I began to actually enjoy, you know, catching the waves, so to speak. And when I see one coming, I I, I get ready, 
you know, I, I stabilize my footing and then I face it head on. That works. And I started enjoying that ocean even though I knew it was going to present some challenges. And that's the kind of picture being painted to us here in the scripture by James in his letter to the Christians who were experiencing severe trials in life. He's saying that through these trials, God is doing something more profound. And you really can't turn your back on these trials because once a trial, a struggle, a problem comes, you can be sure that God is testing you in some area of your life. He's trying to mature us. He's trying to test our resolve, to grow our faith, so to speak. He's teaching us how to persevere. And James is basically saying, these trials that life brings need not take away your joy need not take away your joy in your life. They need not take away your hope. They need not leave you helpless. In fact, God is saying to you, if you endure in faith, not only will you be sustained, but you will experience a measure of success in life in the midst of all the trials that come. You know, nothing shakes our faith more than the next problem, right? I mean, that's very true. So the Bible teaches us how to persevere in faith. And you're probably saying to yourself, well, I've heard a million sermons on how to do these things. But you know what? If we stop looking at the foundational things that Scripture teaches us, we're going to be tossed to and fro by any wave that come in. You know, don't be offended when a preacher comes to you and teaches you some basic foundations on how to navigate through life because that's exactly what we need in order to be able to successfully persevere in faith and thereby give glory to the name of the Lord. How does perseverance by faith take root? Well, the scripture says very clearly it, it depends on our outlook, right? When problems come, Perseverance will take root the moment we understand that we have to, right, have to have the right attitude, the right outlook for that. The Bible says we consider these trials pure joy because as God's precious children, He's accomplishing something much greater, of much greater worth than what the suffering is inflicting. In other words, when trials come, the first thing we got to do is to consider it all joy because we know that God is doing something. He's maturing us. He's molding us into the likeness of His Son, Jesus. Secondly, we also determined that when we understand God's purpose for our suffering, for our trials, we will be able to withstand it and face it head on. Ignorance of God's will is the number one cause why our faith wavers. Verse 3 says, we know, we know, we understand, we have a knowledge that the testing of our faith is accomplishing God's will in each and every one of us. And the accomplishment of God's will is the most important purpose in life. So when somebody asks you, what do you think is your purpose in life? The answer is simple. 
our ultimate purpose in life is to be able to do the will of God. To be able uh, to go through the trials knowing that the purposes of God is being fulfilled in our lives. We are called to surrender to God. And surrendering to God's will is the only way we can win our lives' battles. We need to learn how to surrender our trust in God alone. Uh, so perseverance takes root the moment we realize that God is doing something more profound and that we do know that God is doing it. We're convinced that God is doing it. And we also know that there's joy in dealing with all the things that we're going through. Okay, now, somebody will often ask, okay, pastor, I get it. I have the right attitude for it. I have the right uh, attitude for the trials. And I know what God is doing. He's growing my faith. He's preparing me for a, a, for a successful relationship with Him. I, I get all of that. I surrender all of that to the Lord. My problem is, what should I be doing while I am in the middle of a trial? You see, it's easy for us to, to, to talk about trials when we're not in it or when, just, when we just got out of it, right? But the question that so many of us ask is, okay, I get all of the reasons, all of the purposes of God, but what am I supposed to do when I'm in the middle of it? What do I do now? The question of what, what, what do I do now is the question that only wisdom can answer. God says if you don't know what to do when you're going through these trials, you need to pray. And then somebody says, I get that. That's pretty basic. I know how to pray. Even when I'm in the middle of my trial, Pastor, I already know that. I was not born yesterday. I've been a Christian for 60 years. I know I need to pray. You'll be surprised that as a pastor, when, when people are in some kind of trouble, you'll be surprised at the kind of things they pray about when they come to you and they ask you for prayer. You know, the number one thing that I get from people when they're going through trials and troubles and things like that, they ask me, Pastor, will you pray that God will give me the strength to go through this issue or this problem or this trial in my life? Will you pray that God will give me the strength to persevere? Some even ask, will you pray that God will relieve me of this problem? Pastor, will you pray that God will remove this problem? But the Bible teaches us over and over again, and we already know that God doesn't remove the trial because He's doing something greater. We already know that. Praying for personal strength is not the right way to pray when we're going through trials. When we go through trials, when we pray, we pray for wisdom. Rather than strength. Here's a thought for you. We need wisdom, not strength, in order to endure by faith through our trials. That's basically what James is saying. That's a proposition that 
maybe all of us reject. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't need wisdom. I need God to remove this problem. I need God to relieve me from this issue. Nevertheless, we need wisdom from God. You know why Martin Luther King's civil rights uh, work succeeded? Because he kneeled towards God. That's what he did. You know, I was reading his uh, letters from a Birmingham jail. He, died, he was assassinated at the age of 37. Very few people give credit to Martin Luther King's brilliant theological mind. We only see this man as a civil rights leader. We forgot that he was a pastor. And his mind, his theology was amazing. His dream was a transformation of people's hearts so we can go and exist in this world together, giving glory to God. That's not a political statement. That's not a statement to, to, to put one political group towards another. This is not a fight, a political fight at all. This is a fundamental rejection of the wisdom that says, apart from me, you can do nothing. We will quell these demonstrations. The virus will go away and we will be fine for a while. But wait a few years, something else will come until we learn to put God back where he belongs, and that is in, in our hearts and in our communities. That's my spill. That's my two cents. Understanding the reality of all of these things. Understand the ugliness of all the things that are going on. The wisest thing for us to do, not just as individuals, but as the church, and as a nation, is to start proclaiming that there is good news. That people's hearts can change. And we can't solve this by legislations. We can't solve this. I mean, we can. We can try. We can dent this. The issue here is a transformation of the heart. Now, that's the global aspect of this thing. Let us go back to the mac micro to, the, to how we deal things with our regular lives. How do we handle trials in our own lives? How does God answer for us the question of what do I do now? Well, He gives us three wisdom principles that will help us endure by faith through these trials. These are practical wisdom, okay? These are practical wisdom for enduring in faith. These are nothing new these are basic foundational principles based on what God has been saying to us for thousands of years, okay? Three practical wisdom principles. Number one, you want wisdom? Walk in the Word. When you pray for wisdom, God says, here's Practical wisdom number one. Walk in the Word. God often gives us His Word rather than relief from the trials we face in life. And so many people have a difficult time accepting that. 
We have this concept of God that somehow He exists simply to bail us out of these problems. Why doesn't God just bail us out? Because we need a fundamental understanding that this is not our home. This world is not our home. Okay? Jesus says, don't, don't marvel. He's not talking about superheroes. Don't marvel that the world hates you. Remember, it hated me first. Why did the world hate Jesus? Jesus is hated by the world because the world is fallen and people in the world are fallen and the only person that isn't fallen is Jesus. And he's the sole carrier of infinite righteousness. That's why the world hates what I'm talking about right now. They're not going to accept this. Believe me, you tell this to the regular person outside, they're going to say, there's got to be something more. You want to solve the problem, this, this problem or that problem? Oh, you know, simple prayers and simple religion doesn't fix the problem. That's what you're going to get. But we're not even talking about religion here. We're talking about the ruler and the creator and the sustainer of the universe giving us what we need to navigate through life because this is not the final destination for God's people. But while we're in the middle of it, we need to ask for wisdom, okay? We need to call on the name of the Lord and ask for wisdom. And God says, you want wisdom? First thing you do is to walk in the Word. Look at the verse, uh, verse 5 of this, this passage. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Okay? I lack wisdom, I ask God. What does God give me? His Word. That's what God gives us. And you know what? He gives us His Word generously without finding fault. And He says, I will give you the wisdom. I will give it to you. We lack wisdom because we don't walk in the truth of God's Word. What is the definition of wisdom anyway? The definition of wisdom is this. The application of what we know is true. That's what wisdom is. When we know something is true, we walk in it. He gives us the truth. What is the truth? It's not a what, it's a who. It's Jesus. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us for a while. And I'm getting to something here. I'm giving the answer here. The answer here is not a set of ideologies, a set of philosophies. The answer here is a person, the person of Jesus. He's the Word who became flesh and inhabited our earth for a little while and now inhabits us by the power of His Spirit. That's the truth. What do we do when we're in the middle of a trial? We continue walking in. In the things that we know are true because Jesus said they're true. Walk in obedience to the Word of God. Matthew 7, 24. These are Jesus' words themselves. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. That's one of Jesus' most fundamental teachings. You want to be wise? Walk in the Word. 
I remember when uh, 9-11 hits. I, I shared this before. Boy, that first three weeks after September 11, 2001, churches were packed. Churches were just, you know, I mean, you can't have enough chairs. People are coming. Things died down. It's back to normal. Back to the attendance crisis. 20 years later, we have another crisis. Guess what? There are instructions for churches not to be inhabited. <laughs> okay? So it's kind of a different ball game in 2020. Even if people want to go to church, they can't. All right? I mean, see, you got you to see what's going on here. Now, it's my prayer that after this pandemic is gone, after all of this unrest is done, I pray that people now will realize, okay, we have a need to come and hear the word of Christ. Otherwise, trust me, I hope I'm not around, maybe 20 years. I hope I live, I live another 20 years, all right? But I can almost prophetically tell you, if we don't get on our knees and ask God to intervene in each and every one of our hearts, in about 10 or 20 years, we're going to have a crisis much greater than what we're having right now. That's just a fact of this fallen world. It's a cycle. God says to us who believe, this is the way of wisdom. Regardless of your situation, regardless of what's going on, you continue to walk in the Word. Don't let, don't let the rationalist deceive you into thinking that the answer to what ails humanity or the problems that, that are in this world can be solved by knowledge and rational thinking. Don't buy into that. It's not rationalism that's going to solve the problem. It's revelation. Revelation from God. That's fundamental to our Christian faith. God doesn't relieve us from trouble. And I'm glad He doesn't. Sometimes He does. Praise God for that. But He says, I'm going to give you the wisdom to navigate through life. Because that's better. God's guidance and loving kindness is better than relieving us of all the challenges that we face. You know, the more challenges we face in life, the more we cry out, Lord Jesus, come. The more heaven becomes appetizing to us. Isn't that right? I remember when my mother died. You know, I don't ever think much about heaven, you know. Don't think much about it, you know. Heaven is some, it's a place that I'll go after I die. I don't preoccupy myself thinking about heaven because to me, at that point, heaven is still just a place where dead people go. And hopefully because I'm a Christian, I'll go to heaven and all of that. It's nothing more than just that rudimentary, you know, acceptance of the fact that I'm going to die and I want to go to heaven. But the moment my mother died, the, the painful reality that I won't see her again, the painful reality, the fact that someone who has brought me into this world and, and showed me the love that I needed in this world. When that was taken from me, I guarantee you, that day she died, heaven looked a lot more attractive to me. I don't know about you, but it should. Okay? It should. We need to walk in the Word. This is what Paul says to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.15. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. There's power in the Word of God. Many of, many of us pray that God will remove troubles, relieve us from these things. But God is saying, no. You need to learn how to walk in my Word. You need to realize that I speak to you through my Word. When we ask Him, He shows us the way to go. When God sees that we're walking in the Word 
loved ones, uh, I'm, I'm an old man now, and I finally admit it. I'm not 37 anymore. The longer I live, the longer I live, the more I realize that God is pointing me to the right way. Oh, I'm not saying I don't fall down. I'm not saying I don't, you know, go take shortcuts. I'm not saying any of that at all. But I've learned in my own life that when we walk in the Word, God points us to where we're going to go. It doesn't fail. He points us in the way of wisdom. Now, there's a second principle of wisdom that will help us endure by faith. And that is, not only do we walk in the Word, but secondly, we need to walk wholeheartedly. Walk in the Word wholeheartedly by faith. It's better to walk in faith than run from the trials of life. James says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. The word for doubt here is the word diacrino, which is a word for judging without knowledge, without certainty, rather, holding back. The word for doubt here is holding back, making a decision whether to trust God or not in a particular matter. Okay? This is a strong word. Doubt is not a weakness of faith. Doubt is lack of trust in what God said. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, You will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com.